it a little bit different in my uh, beginning tonight. We're teaching on the book of Revelation. In fact, we'll, we'll end up with, in Revelation 10 tonight. And we'll cover that really well. And you'll find some very interesting things that you probably... I'm going to guess you haven't heard some of this. It's really, it's really cool stuff. You know, there are nuggets and gems that are hidden in the Bible. They're hidden in the Word. It takes the Holy Spirit to reveal them. So what I really appreciate about the book of Revelation, this is lesson number 20. And uh, the title of this is The Mighty Angel, Revelation chapter 10. I want to go back and uh, if you can, uh, now I've got this, uh, I don't know if this pointer, I'm going to cast something out of it if I have to. Uh, Spent 30 bucks on it. It's just not working. Can y'all see that? Good. So here, the end times. This is a chart. And, you know, this, I, I would like to make the, what could be complicated really simple. So if you want to understand, I don't know about you, but I, I think it's cool that God has given us an understanding of what's coming. Does that make you feel better? You know, if you wonder what's going to happen, it's just weird. It's kind of like, you know... Uh, something's going to happen in your, you know, it's kind of like having a baby. You don't know if it's a boy or a girl. Maybe it's not like that, but you know what I mean? Things you wonder about. Susan and I have four kids. Susan and I have four kids. We never knew if we're having a boy or a girl until we had the day of birth. So it's like, man, you're like, okay, what's it going to be? What we need to do? What colors we need for the nursery? So, so, you know, maybe not exact comparison, but in the future, you know, if you don't know what's happening, you can be full of concern and care and worry. But see, God has given us an opening into our future with the book of Revelation. In fact, the word revelation, the Greek word is apocalypsis, and it means an unveiling. So he's unveiled the future for us. Some things before I even get started on the, on the little chart here is that, um, you know, some things you need to know about the book of Revelation. It's, it's not as complicated. We make it complicated, and people have, but it's really, you get to study in it. It's really a lot of fun. It's not as complicated as you think. Uh, several things I need to say here. So I come, I come uh, to the book of Revelation uh, with the rapture idea, with the pre, an idea of a pre-wrath rapture. Now, a lot of people that may be watching online, you may be watching at a later date, or you may be in here, you've, you, you believe, in, and you've heard, and I hear it a lot today, that Jesus is coming to take us to heaven in the rapture prior to the Antichrist revealing himself. I believe that, preached that for 25 years, but 10 years ago, God really spoke to me clearly. I did a lot of weeping personally as God revealed some things to me in the scriptures. Somebody asked me before service, well, how, how, how did you do that? Well, it was a process. I did a lot of reading, a lot of praying. There was an angst I had inside. I couldn't figure out why, and I found out that some of the things I was teaching were just not the way that I had been teaching them. Then as I got into this, I, I found a lot of people whom the Lord had spoken to just like me and who had believed certain things about uh, us being raptured away before the revelation of the Antichrist and some of the difficult times that are coming. The good news is Jesus is coming to get us. But So anyway, the position I have and that I'm teaching from is the position, the pre-wrath rapture of the church. We'll get into this. I've talked about it. You'll see it again tonight as I get into the... Yeah, as I get into the uh, chart here, let me also mention that the book of Revelation, if you, if you look at it a certain way, it, it's, it's sequential. The, 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 what you see in there is sequential. Uh, Jesus appears to John on the Isle of Patmos in Revelation 1. And then there's a parenthesis, and he talks about the church, and that can be applied to today. And the and, uh, um, uh, people that are dealing with their walk with God in certain ways, there were seven churches in Asia Minor that can be compared to what the church is dealing with today in a lot of ways. So, you know, you have to ask yourself, where do I fit in there? 
I don't know about you, but I want to be the one that loves Jesus with everything inside of me. Then Revelation chapter, and so, and so there's a sequential order to the book of Revelation. And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but as we get into this, you're going to see there's some judgments that are coming. You know, there's, there's seven trumpet judgments. and well, There's seven seals. There's seven trumpet judgments. There's seven bowl judgments. All of that is sequential, and it all makes sense. And as we get into this, I'm going to remind you of some things. One key to learning is you got to repeat things. If you repeat things, you kind of get them. So I'm going to, you know, recapsulize things uh, each time as we go, just so you'll get a, a, a better understanding of where we're coming from. But if you can understand, you know, from Revelation chapter 4, when you see God on the great big throne in heaven, uh, to Revelation 22, uh, there's a sequential order that is being followed for Jesus to come back and reclaim the earth for the kingdom of God and to push Satan and all of his emissaries off of this planet. They will be placed in a place and they'll be judged. And then it'll be God and his family for eternity, both in heaven and on earth. That's the book of Revelation. Isn't that awesome? So you start in Revelation 4, you see the... the uh, you see the throne of God in heaven. By the time you get to Revelation 22, we're already in eternity. And God is our Father. And His visage lights the universe. And we're with Him for eternity. And who's to know but what He won't create other people groups and other planets. Because God, uh, God is a full of, He's full of mysteries, full of excitement. And He's never boring. So you're not going to be in eternity playing a harp, you know, floating around on a cloud, drinking your favorite iced tea. You're going to be busy for the kingdom of God. And God may send you to another solar system to do something for him. You'll have a glorified body. Won't that be interesting? So anyway, I could keep talking, talking. Uh, so let's look at this. Uh, the background of this, uh, of this chart is that God spoke to Daniel uh, 2,500 years ago. And Daniel um, had been seeking the Lord. And uh, Israel was in Babylonian captivity. And he got to read in Jeremiah's uh, writings, the prophet Jeremiah's writings, and found out that Israel was going to be in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And so he began to seek God about that, and God showed Daniel. This is amazing. You know, when you get to heaven, say thank you to Daniel, because God really showed him a lot. If he hadn't have been seeking the Lord, God wouldn't have shown him. If you want God to show you things, talk to him. Ask him questions. Get involved in his stuff, and he'll speak to you. Daniel did that, and God showed Daniel 490 years of the, of, the, of the history of Israel from the time that they got back from Babylonian captivity in 444 B.C. under Artaxerxes. Uh, they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem all the way to the time that, that Jesus died. 483 years have been expended. So God showed Daniel again in the future, 490 years of Israel's history, 483 of which happened all the way up to when Jesus was here and Jesus died and then and then God's God's Israel clock stopped it's like a stopwatch click and we've we've been in the church age now for a couple of thousand years there's seven years of Jewish history left to be fulfilled and we call that seven years of Jewish history because of the way it's written in Daniel 9 24 through 27, Daniel's 70th week. God showed Daniel 70 weeks of seven years. That's 490 years. That last week 
of years or seven years has not been fulfilled yet. That's how we know the timeline and kind of how things, what things are going to be like in the book of Revelation. You have to understand what God said to Daniel. I talked about this 20 lessons ago, 18 lessons ago here at the beginning of the book of Revelation. I just want to remind you, that's the background for what you see here. Daniel 9, 27 reveals that this man called Antichrist is going to come and he's going to make a peace treaty of some kind of treaty. We don't know what it is. I don't know if it'll be well-known or unknown, but there'll be a treaty between Israel and their enemies, perhaps it's the Palestinians, perhaps uh, more broadly the Arab states in the Middle East, but there's going to be a treaty made. And uh, go back to the screen now, go back to my, because I'm going right back there. And that's the Daniel 9.27, so yeah, go back to my chart, chart, chart. You want, there, thank you. So uh, this chart begins with that covenant being signed. And that starts that seven years. So, so once, so, so how does that affect you and me? Once, once you hear, and, and I'll tell you if I think it's it. Somebody said, well, was this agreement with UAE, uh, United Arab Emirates and Israel, was that the beginning? No, no, that's not it. No, it may be warming up the Arab states that have not been open to even talking to Israel. Might be warming them up right now, but that's not it yet. When it comes, I think we're going to know it. I, if you don't know, I'll tell you. But it hasn't happened yet. As far as I'm concerned, it hasn't happened yet. So none of these things that we see on this map are, have started happening yet. The first thing that's going to occur, so, so, so the, the signing of the covenant. So, so Revelation chapter 4 again. Let's just backtrack a little bit. Revelation 4, God is the owner and possessor and sustainer of the universe, including planet Earth. He owns the Earth. How many understand? Revelation chapter 5, God's got a scroll in his right hand. And that scroll is the title deed he has for this planet. There's a usurper. There's a person that shouldn't be here that actually has partial control of the earth. And it's Satan and the, his fallen angels and demon spirits. And they're wrecking havoc on humanity and the plan of God. And have been for, man, ever since Adam and Eve sinned. So God's got a title deed, Revelation 5, in his right hand. And that title deed is a scroll. They didn't have books in that day. And that scroll had seven seals on it. And that's what you see right here at the beginning. So there were seven seals. That scroll's got to be, all of the seals have to be broken. Once all of the seals on the scroll are broken, the scroll can be unrolled. Once it's unrolled, then everything in the scroll can come to pass. And that scroll contains what is necessary for God to reclaim uh, control of the earth to kick Satan and all of his bunch off of here and to, uh, and to bring the earth back to its pristine uh, way it was before Adam and Eve sinned. So again, so when you, when you see this, just watch and just go down the timeline here a little bit. So, so what happens is that covenant is signed between the person, somebody in the Middle East, it'll be a Middle Eastern person, uh, I can say a lot. I do know. I can just tell you the, the, um, the uh, area of the world where Turkey and Syria are. Antichrist coming from somewhere right there. I'm not going to name any names yet, even though I have huge suspicions. I think the guy's alive today. 
And I think he's watching and just waiting. So anyway, time will tell. Nonetheless, the covenant is made. So um, Matthew chapter 24 parallels Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6, those seals on that scroll are opened. And you see it on the screen here. If this thing will work, there we go. You see it on the screen here. The opening of the first seal, the Antichrist is revealed. And, uh, and he begins to do what he does. And then as he gets into that, wars are created. Famine comes as a result of the wars. And there's all kinds of terrible things that begin to happen. Um, and f- so for the first three and a half years, you see here it says beginning of birth pangs. Jesus talked about what, this, this, uh, con- what condition the world would be in and what it looked like in Matthew 24, verses 4 through 8. And he calls it, these are the beginning of sorrows, or literally, the Greek word is the word where we get our word birth pangs. For a woman that is in travail, she's having contractions about to have a baby. And Jesus said, that's what the first three and a half years of this time is going to be like. And so it's going to be a tough time. Antichrist reveals himself. Um, wars break out. Factions between, between various uh, ethnic persuasions. In fact, nation will rise against nation. The Greek word again is, is ethnos. Ethnicities will fight. There'll be factions of fighting between people groups uh, all over the world. How many know that's rising up here? I mean, it's just the spirit of the age. And then because of the war's famine and, uh, you know, uh, uh, a lot of things begin to happen. Earthquakes in various places, famine. Three and a half years into this time period after the Antichrist reveals himself. And when he reveals himself, he's going to tell Israel, I'm the best friend you'll ever have. I'll let you do everything you want to do if you'll let us do some things. And, and we're, going to, we're going to be partners. We're going to make agreements together. Uh, the Antichrist is going to allow Israel to actually rebuild uh, a very simplistic Jewish temple. Maybe like, maybe like the tabernacle of, of uh, the tabernacle that they, that they went through the wilderness with and before, before the, the first uh, temple uh, that was built by uh, David's son Solomon. So the tabernacle of David would be very, very simple, probably just take just a few months to build. But that will be built during this first three and a half years of the Antichrist reign and, and he'll be a peaceful guy to Israel and letting them do a lot of things and they're probably going to divide up the Temple Mount if you know anything about that in Jerusalem and, and uh, so uh, it looked like things would be okay three and a half years into that he changes his tune and the midpoint of this and Daniel talked about this in Daniel t- chapter 9 there's what the Bible calls or Jesus called the abomination of desolation and what that was is, is when the Antichrist literally comes in to the rebuilt Jewish temple and desecrates it. Uh, and, and it's a parallel to what Antiochus Epiphanes did, a Greek ruler in 167 B.C. He took, a, he took a pig, took it into the Jewish temple at the time, slaughtered the thing, and then he put up a, 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 an idol to Zeus in the temple. And boy, it made, it made the Jews, I mean, they got mad. And so he uh, desecrated their temple. That's going to happen again. He's going to say for three and a half years, hey, let's get along. We're, be- we're best buds. He turned coats, turns on Israel. And then there comes what Jesus called the great tribulation. Now, I'm trying to say a bunch in a little bit of time. It's hard to do. The great tribulation, um, the, the tribulation, we usually call that seven years, the tribulation. Nothing in the Bible calls you can't find it. That seven years, the tribulation. I'll use that term only because if I do, you know what I'm talking about. It's really the 70th week of Daniel 
or Daniel's 70th week. Anyway, Jesus did call the last three and a half years of this seven-year period, he called it the Great Tribulation in Matthew 24, verse 21. And that's the time where the Antichrist again begins to persecute Christians and Jews on a large-scale basis. If there's going to be a mark of the beast and all that stuff you hear about these days, that's when that's going to happen. You can't buy or sell or do anything with that. And then many believers will lose their lives uh, because they will not recant their faith and and give allegiance to the Antichrist. And it'll cost them their lives during that that, that latter three-and-a-half-year period, and Jesus called it the le- uh, Great Tribulation. And he said if that time wasn't shortened, then no, no saved people or no Jews would even uh, uh, survive. But because of the elect, because, because of us, he said that time will be shortened. And so here we are again. Here's the seals being broken, the first seal, second seal, wars, third seal, famine, the fourth seal. Then there's, there's mass death. Uh, billions, of, billions of people die under his reign, martyrdom. All of that's during that second three-and-a-half-year per, uh, uh, period. Again, uh, it's a really, really terrible time. And then something really uncanny happens with the opening of the sixth seal. The sun, moon, and stars darken. And we call that cosmic disturbances. And it's a sign. You can read about that in Revelation 6, 12 through 17. And it's a sign that the rapture is about to occur. God is about to catch us off of this planet. And it's a sign for us to get prepared and get ready. And it's a sign to his enemies that all hell is just about to break loose. So, so that's what you see right here, the sun, moon, and the stars. So you got six of those seven seals. And then Revelation chapter 7 is a parenthesis. The seventh, seventh seal hasn't broken yet. Revelation chapter 7, God, uh, God um, uh, basically protects 144,000 Jews. They'll have some kind of an invisible mark on them in the spirit realm, and they will not die during this terrible time called the wrath of God or the day of the Lord that happens after that seventh seal is broken in Revelation chapter 8. 144,000 Jews will go through this terrible time period that we've talked about in Revelation chapter 8, Revelation chapter 9. There are, are, are trumpets that are blown, seven trumpets. When those first six trumpets are blown during that day of the Lord, wrath of God, and I've got to come back and say some things about that in a minute. When those, uh, when those trumpets are blown, some, some really terrible things happen. Just before that occurs, the rapture occurs. Revelation 7, 144,000 Jews are, are sealed so that they don't die during this, those terrible events that are to come when the trumpet judgments come. And then, and then, the, and then Revelation 7, 9 through 17, there, it's a scene of the church in heaven. We've talked about this in lessons past. And then you come up to Revelation chapter 8, verse 1, and all of hell of heaven becomes silent. There's one, more, there's one more seal that has to be broken. Maybe everybody's looking at Jesus. All the angels fold their wings and they're silent and quiet. For 30 minutes in heaven, nobody says anything. And then all of the prayers of the saints of all ages ascend to the throne the throne of God where where we're praying do you pray that Lord let your kingdom come let your will be done so God hears and you see the incense every prayer you pray is saved every tear that is shed is saved in a bottle that's amazing isn't it 
So Revelation 8, so anyway, that seventh seal is open. When that seventh seal is open, the first trumpet is blown. And the first six trumpets, we talked about this in Revelation 8 and 9. These first six trumpets, this is the, this is the wrath of God in the Bible, both Old and New Testament. It's called the day of the Lord. Everybody say the day of the Lord. So here's what I want you to know about the day of the Lord. It's a time of wrath. Look right up under that on the screen. The, the day of the Lord or above it is called the wrath of God. We won't be here for that. That's why I believe in a pre-wrath rapture of the church. People that believe in the pre-tribulation rapture believe that the whole seven years that we're talking about here is, is, the, is the wrath of God. It's not. The wrath of God is not poured out to the end. The first portion, look at this, is the wrath of, you see the wrath of Satan right there? The first portion of, uh, of that time, the first, you know, uh, four and a half, five years or so, and that's the wrath of Satan. Nothing says that you and I are immune from, from persecution. Do you find any scripture in the Bible that says we're immune? No, no, the wrath of Satan is the wrath of Antichrist. That means he persecutes believers. There's nothing in the Bible that says that we're going to be whisked away because before terrible things happen worldwide through a man who doesn't like Christians and Jews. Nothing in the Bible says that. If you can, if you can find that, I would like for you to show me a solid scripture that says that we're immune from persecution. So the first portion of this time is the wrath of man, but the latter part of this is the wrath of God. And that happens, that happens right towards the end of that seven-year period. Um, and so the day of the Lord is, is probably going to last, and, and you, you, you don't know for sure, maybe it probably lasts maybe a, maybe a, a year and a half, maybe, maybe two years. When these trumpet judgments happen, we don't know. I'm saying all this on purpose to show you something. Once the peace treaty signed, you figure it out. Three and a half years later, uh, there's going to be some huge persecution breakout. You get it? And, and that's called the Great Tribulation, and then that's cut short. And so it's only going to last maybe, maybe a year, maybe a year and a half. We see, we don't know. The, the scriptures don't tell us, but... You know, if it was a year, that's three and a half, four and a half, a year and a half, five years. So five years from the time that, somewhere around in that neighborhood, from the time that peace treaty settled, we're going up. You get it? So I, I, I got to slow down. So, so why am I saying this? So, so you'll know you get your life in order. If you're not walking with God, start walking with God. If you're in private sin, get out of private sin. If you think you're saved and you're living like a lost person, get saved. Because you don't want to be here during this wrath of God. So we talked about that, that the, the trumpet judgments are the wrath of God. They are the day of the Lord. All of this is, is in the past things I've taught. So bottom line is this. You know, the first uh, one, two, three, four, uh, four trumpets, first four trumpets, uh, um, it looks like meteorites hit the earth. They affect the vegetation. They affect the salt water. The mammals in the, in the ocean die. A third of the ships sink, perish. Uh, and, and then the, the fresh water, another meteorite falls. The fresh water rivers and lakes and streams and such, they're polluted, called wormwood. 
And uh, so a terrible, terrible time. And then the atmosphere of the earth changes and the sun is not as bright as it was and the stars and such. So the whole climate of planet earth is different. It's a, I mean, when I say it, you're like, really? Nobody wants to be here. You don't want your family members here. You don't want your friends, your coworkers. You don't want anybody you know to have to go through this. Listen, over, listen, think of it. Over two, maybe three billion people die. Can you imagine? How how are you going to bury all those people? What's that going to smell like? The birds are going to have a feast. It's a terrible thing. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad God's made a way of escape for us. Aren't you glad? So six, those those six trumpets. And and so first four, they affect the climate. Then the the, the trumpets five and trumpet six, uh, demon spirits. They come out of the earth. Come out from the underworld. And it gives you the heebie-jeebies, right? It's like, Jesus. And they begin to attack humans in terrible ways. Some of them look like locusts, and some of them look like really weird creatures. And this is in the spirit realm, and they attack humans in a horrible way. And a lot of people die. It's just a terrible time. There's nothing great about this. You need to know about it because that's what's in the future. And you can warn your friends, come to Jesus now so you won't be here for that. You get it? So, so that brings us right up to, so we've looked at Revelation chapter 8, Revelation chapter 9. We've looked at the six of the seven trumpet judgments. We won't be here. Why? Because God's not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain mercy through our Lord Jesus Christ, that whether we wake or sleep, we may live together with him. First Thessalonians 5, 9, and then Romans 5, 9 says the same thing, that God's not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain mercy by our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that, we won't be here during the day of the Lord. How many are glad? So, so look, so, so we got the first three and a half years, birth pangs. The, then you've got the, uh, you've got the uh, great tribulation that is cut short. And then, and, then, uh, and then towards the end of that, the sun, moon, and stars darken. The rapture occurs. The pre-wrath rapture of the church and then you've got the seven trumpets that I, six, that, that, or six of the seven trumpets that I just mentioned. Then that brings us to uh, Revelation chapter 10. In Revelation chapter 10, it's really a, an unusual event that occurs, and it's another parenthesis or an interlude in the story before the, before the seventh trumpet is blown. And you won't believe what the seventh trumpet is. It's going to blow you away tonight. Watch this. Before the seventh trumpet is blown, that this angel appears. And, and so, so Revelation 10 is a parenthesis, ju- just like chapter 7 is a parenthesis between the sixth seal and the seventh seal. Something huge was going to happen with that seventh seal. That's when the day of the Lord wrath of God begins. So, so God set it up with Revelation 7. And in a similar way, Revelation 10 is a setup for the for the seventh trumpet to be blown. So let's go right to, y'all with me? So here we are, Revelation 10. And so here we are, this is an interlude. And and look at, let's just read the whole passage. I'm gonna make some comments and we'll be done. Some of this is probably you've not seen this before. Some of what I'm about to say. Revelation 10, let's read all 11 verses. I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven clothed with a cloud and a rainbow was on his head and his face was like the sun and his feet like pillars of fire. Uh, he had a little book in his, open in his hand or a scroll and he set his right foot on the sea, his left foot on the land 
and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. That is, he had a really loud voice. Now, when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I mean, this, was, that was, this is the ultimate loud voice. Seven is perfection. The ultimate loud voice just spoke, all right? And so it says, um, uh, that voice said, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. Verse 5, the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth, the things that are in it, the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the seventh trumpet's what he's talking about, the mystery of God would be finished. As he declared to his servants, the prophets, then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, go take the little book, the little scroll, uh, which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. We'll explain it all in a minute. So I went to the angel and said to him, give me a little book, give me the scroll. And he said to me, take and eat it, much like he did to, uh, you remember uh, Ezekiel was given a scroll? And said, remember that? Take and eat it and make your stomach bitter. But it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little scroll book out of uh, the angel's hand and ate it. And it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And we'll talk about that. And he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Let's go back to verse 1. Make some comment on each one. And, and you know, we should be done fairly, fairly well here. Revelation 10, 1. I still saw another mighty angel. From heaven, cloud, clothed with a cloud, a rainbow was on his head, his face was like the sun, it shone, and his, his feet like pillars of fire. Now, there, there's a lot of discussion uh, among Bible scholars. If you do the reading and the research, many think this was just an unusual angel, but there, there's a, a good section of scholars that believe this is, a, this is an appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And that Jesus is actually this mighty angel. And there are reasons that they say that. And it's an actually an appearance of Jesus. Now, um, I don't know how much I've mentioned this in the past here. All of the preaching and teaching I've done all these years. But in the Old Testament, there are appearances uh, of Jesus in the Old Testament. Often the angel of the Lord would appear to someone. Now, I've got several scriptures. I didn't write them out in the notes because I didn't want to take the time. to. I don't have the time to read them all. But Genesis 16, the angel of the Lord appeared to Sarah. In Genesis 22, the angel of the Lord appeared to Abraham. You can read uh, after, after the, uh, uh, the session tonight on your own. Genesis 31, again, the angel of the Lord appeared to Jacob. Uh, Exodus 3, the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses with the burning bush. Numbers 22, the angel of the Lord appeared to Balaam and his donkey wouldn't go forward down the path and he crushed his foot. And every one of those appearances of the angel of the Lord, guess who it was? The Lord Jesus Christ in manifestation. That's amazing, in manifestation. Many believe that this mighty angel here in, in Revelation 10.1 is another appearance of the Lord Jesus himself. They have reasons for saying that. Let me share with you why. So I'm of the opinion that those that believe that, I think they may just be right. You can't be dogmatic about these things. So if you chose to disagree with me, I love you. 
And we'll just find out later who's right. But, you know, this, I can see this fairly clearly myself. Notice again, this angel uh, is dressed in a cloud. Well, in the Bible, God's dressed in a cloud. Watch this. Psalm 104.3 lays beams of his upper chambers in the waters who makes the clouds his chariot who walks on the wings of the wind. Daniel 7, 13, I was watching in the night visions. And behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. So again, God comes with clouds in Daniel 7. Jesus, when he ascended, he ascended up in the clouds. And the angel said, he's going to come back that way. So it, it kind of lines up in, in, in an uncanny way. Then there's a rainbow on this mighty angel's head. Revelation 4, 3, we read that a number of weeks ago when we looked at Revelation chapter 4. He who sat there on the throne was like a jasper, a sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Let me just say God invented the rainbow. And the fractions of light show the beauty of, of pure white light. The, the origin of the rainbow is not the LGBTQ movement. No, it's the, it, it, it's, it's the origin of holiness and purity. Now, can't you see how the enemy hijacks things that are pure? You see how the enemy hijacks sex, which God made to be pure for humanity, a pure act of love between a husband and wife. And has made it something nasty. Can you see it? So again, his angel had this rainbow. Well, the rainbow has to do with God. His face was like the sun, this angel's face. Revelation 1.16, we mentioned it, you know, 20 lessons ago. He had in his right hand seven stars out of his mouth when a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in its street. Then the angel's feet were like pillars of fire. Exodus 13, you know, there was a cloud by day, pillar of fire by night that rested over the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle uh, as they wandered, you know, through the wilderness. And then Revelation 1.15, when Jesus appeared to John on the Isle of Patmos, his feet were like fine brass, as refined in a furnace, and his voice is the sound of many waters. So his feet were glowing, glistening. And uh, so again, this angel in an uncanny way uh, it seems like it really could be Jesus. It, it makes sense. Why? Let's go back. Why, why was there a rainbow on the angel's head? Um, remember, the rainbow is God's promise to Noah. Really, it's God's promise to the earth. The, the rainbow in the sky, if you go read the narrative, the rainbow was, it was God saying, earth, I will never destroy you with water again. And he said, Noah, when you see my rainbow in the sky, you know I've made a covenant with the earth that I'll never destroy it with, uh, with water again. So you find that in Revelation 9. It's in the, it's in the, um, it's in the notes here. Um, but God never did promise that he wouldn't do other things that would destroy the earth. So listen to this, 2 Peter 3, 7. But the heavens and earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. And you see that fire very clearly with it. It looks like what meteorites that fall with the trumpet blasts in Revelation chapter 8. Really uncanny time. Second Peter 3.10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Again, the day of the Lord, the wrath of God. The latter part of that seven years 
that God showed Daniel that we typically call the tribulation time. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. But both, uh, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. But just like Noah, see that angel's got a rainbow on his head. Why? Well, just like God put the rainbow in the sky and put eight people on a boat called an ark. And, he's, and he saved the entire human race from utter distinction when he put Noah on that boat, right? So, so, so when God has to judge the earth with fire, here's this angel saying, it's going to be okay. Because just like in Noah's day, I said, I said I wouldn't destroy everything in this day, even though the fire comes, even though it judges the earth. Let that rainbow be a display. There's 144,000 Jews that are parallel to the eight souls on the ark who will go through the day of the Lord and repopulate the earth in the millennial reign of Christ. Now, here's the thought. Have you ever thought about it? Did you know? In eternity, there will be human beings, male and female, who marry and are given in marriage. They have babies through eternity. See, God cleanses the earth from sin and then brings it back to be what he wanted it to be before Adam and Eve ever sinned. And there's a group of people called those Jews that he sealed in Revelation 7. They're going through the day of the Lord. They're going through the trumpet judgments. They're going through the bold judgments. We'll talk a little bit about tonight. And they'll be here in the 1,000-year reign of Jesus. And then there'll be a natural group of human beings for eternity on planet earth. Have you ever thought about that? You're going to be in a glorified body. You're going, to be, you're going to be really kind of in an elite group because you'll have, the, you'll have the ability to travel. I don't know what else to call it other than the speed of thought. And God will use you as his leaders, as his rulers, perhaps universe-wide in eternity. Isn't this amazing? Doesn't it make you think? Do you get excited about the future? A lot of people don't want to be a Christian because they don't want to be bored. You will not be bored in eternity. You will not be bored in heaven. Eyes not seen. Ear has not heard. It's not even entered into the heart of man. The things that God has promised to them that love him. You get to be a part of all of this. Isn't that exciting? Revelation 10, 2. He had a little book. This mighty angel had a little book in his hand. He set his right foot. Watch. Set his right foot on the sea. Uh, Am I getting that right? Right foot on the sea and his left foot. So right foot on the sea, left foot on the land. And uh, let's, so, so what is all this? Well, this scroll, let me say the scroll in this angel's hand or perhaps Jesus' hand. This is not that scroll that was in God's hand. Don't forget the scroll in God's hand in Revelation 5 had all these seals that had to be broke. This one had no seals. Which leads you to think that the person holding the scroll must have had the authority. Because if a person opens a scroll... They have to have the authority to bring to pass what the contents say. So Jesus was the only one that could bring to pass the contents of the scroll in God's hand in Revelation 5, which was the reclaiming of the earth for God himself, uh, since that scroll was God's title. But what is on this scroll? Well, again, um, this scroll is not that other one. It's a different scroll. Uh, I'll talk about what's on the scroll in just a minute. Notice again that this angel set his foot on the land and on the sea. And if you look at the biblical narrative about uh, setting your foot on something, it denotes ownership. 
possession of. Uh, Genesis 13, 17, arise, walk in the land through its uh, length and its width, God said to Abram, for I will give it to you. After the death, death of Moses, Josh, God said to Joshua, Joshua 1, 2, and 3, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land that I'm going to give to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses. So this angel easily could be Jesus himself. Is saying by this act of taking his foot, putting it on the land and putting it on the ocean, I'm coming back to possess what belongs to mine. You get it? Isn't that awesome? Uh, and that's what happens when the seventh trumpet is blown. Now, now you know, we'll get to that. Revelation 10, 3. So here's this uh, mighty angel. And it says, he cried with a loud voice. And when, as when a lion roars, when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now, when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should no longer, that there should be delay no longer. So here, here, let's go back up to the top of that, those passages, we just, those verses we just looked at. Here the lion of the tribe of Judah roars, and he roars like a lion. And it's so loud, you know, it's like thunder, which can shake your whole house. Hosea 11.10, listen, they, they shall walk after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, then his sons shall come trembling from the west. And that's talking about God himself. So this, this roar, that's why I think it really could be Jesus. This mighty angel could be the son of God. So again, it mentions um, the angel or that Jesus is standing on the land, the sea, and showing that he possesses the whole world. Then, then, see, this is, seems odd to us, but, but then this angel or Jesus takes an oath and he swears by four things. And that is to let you know, I believe he's saying, what I'm about to say, you better listen to what I'm about to say because this is exactly the way it is. And he swore by four things. He swore in four ways. He swore by God who lives forever and ever. That's what the narrative says. He swore by him who created the heavens and the things in it. He swore by the earth and the things in it. Then he swore by the sea and the things in it. What did he swear? There would be no more delay. What kind of delay? Now is the time for the kingdom of God to manifest. Then verse 7. But in the days of the sounding, watch. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh uh, angel... When he's about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. What is the mystery of God? Ephesians 1, listen, 9 and 10. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, watch, he might gather together in one, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. He says here, the seventh angel sounds his trumpet and the kingdom of God right then would immediately rule the earth. 
It literally happened when that seventh angel sounded his trumpet. What that angel said happens. Listen to Revelation 11. We'll look at it again next time. Then the seventh angel, verse 15, sounded. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. And then the 24 elders that we saw in Revelation 4. Uh, who sat before God on their thrones, fell on their faces. They worshiped God saying, we give thanks to you, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is, the one who was, and the one is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. This is at the very end of that 70th week of Daniel. The very end of the seven years we typically call the tribulation period. That, that, that uh, angel sounds his trumpet and the fullness of times, the fullness of the times of the Gentiles has come. And that's when Jesus comes back to earth. You're mighty quiet. Jesus comes back first alone. And he's here to rule and reign. That ends Daniel's 70th week. It stops right there. And now I want you to see this. There is at the end of this seven-year period that we typically call the tribulation, Daniel's 70th week, there is an additional 75 days. Endure of time that the Bible speaks of. And during those 75 days, God will be completely cleansing the earth of all sin and all rebellion and preparing it for Jesus' 1,000 year reign where you will be here. Is that exciting? Now, what? Now, I say, Pastor, wait, wait. That's a little bit far fetched. Where did you get that? Look in Daniel chapter 12. Verses 11 through 13, notice what Daniel said. And you go research this yourself. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away, that's when the Antichrist uh, creates sacrilege. He desecrates the Jewish temple. That's three and a half years into, right? Three and a half years into that seven-year period. Watch. From the time the daily sacrifice is taken away. And the abomination of desolation is set up. There shall be 1,290 days. Well, wait a minute. Everything else in the Bible says it's 1,260 days. Here's what you got to know. There's some really smart people. I don't have time to get into all this. But, but in the Bible, when it talks about a year, it's not years 300. It's not the Gregorian calendar years. It's 360-day years, not 365-day years. So 360 times seven, you get it? Or 360 times three and a half is 1,260. Did you get that? Did I say that right? What did I miss? Did I get it right? Yeah, it's 1,260 days. But he says here it's 1,290 days. There's 30 days added. Why did he add 30 days? Why did God show Daniel there's 30 additional days Included. So from the time that the Antichrist reveals himself, three and a half years later, that's 1260 days, the first three and a half years, right? And then the last three and a half years, from the time that he desecrates the rebuilt Jewish temple until the time that the trumpet sounds, there's, there's, there's 
1,260 days, three and a half years. But he said, here's 1,290 days. And then look what he said after that. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. What is that? Well, there's an additional 45 days. So what's 45 and 30? 75 days. What happens during those 75 days? Well, let's, let's find out. Um, Revelation 10, 8 through 10. Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it. I will make, it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Again, something like what God spoke to Ezekiel in, in the first part of Ezekiel. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it. And it was as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, um, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. So real quickly, uh, you know, the word is sweet as honey, Psalm 19 says, right? Honey and the honeycomb. It actually refers to scripture that way. But when you're preaching and ministering the word to people that don't want to hear, it's like a bitter, it's like a bitter thing. So when he tasted it, it was good. But when he had to put it into action and share it and preach it, it became a bitter thing. It soured his stomach. And that's, you know, that's kind of like it is today. A lot of people want to hear the word, but not very many people put it into practice. And then you get really, really persecuted. And that's what he's saying. So again here he says, you must, uh, you must prophesy again about many people's tongues, nations, and languages. So, so right after this, the little scroll mentioned in the angel's hand. What is in that little scroll? Well, we'll come back next time and talk about Revelation 11. There are two witnesses that appear on earth right during the time that uh, the Antichrist uh, desecrates the rebuilt Jewish temple three and a half years into that seven-year period. And for three and a half years, there are two witnesses. And the Bible doesn't say who they are. I'm just going to be real plain here. A lot of people really think that it's Moses and Elijah for a number of reasons. God married, buried Moses in Mount Nebo, and nobody knows the place of his burial uh, Elijah uh, ascended to heaven in a whirl, or actually went in a whirlwind, and so he never died. And so, for that reason, a lot of people think it's uh, Moses and Elijah. They work miracles, they create famines, they wreak havoc upon the Antichrist during his terrible, tyrannical reign, and during the time of the day of the Lord of the wrath of God, during the last uh, year, year and a half, or two years perhaps of that seven, uh, uh, seven years of Daniel. And so that's what's contained in that scroll. And uh, in that scroll is also what's going to be happening during the last three and a half, half years. And in that scroll is also, there are bold judgments. Everybody say bold judgments. So we got, we got, we got seals that were broken, seven of them. Trumpets that were blown, seven of them. When the seventh trumpet blows, then there are, there are bowl judgments, laver. A bowl is a laver, really narrow, really small. The Jews used it. They'd do their hand like this and put water on their hands, you know, to wash their hands. And it's God cleansing the earth. What happened? And that, you can find that in Revelation 16. That happens in 30 days. Did you hear that? The cleansing of the earth. That's what that 30 days, that additional 30 days is God cleansing the earth with those 
with those laver or bold judgments. And then what about the 45 days? Throw my, if you'll, can you put my, yeah, yeah, just put my, there you go. Thing up here. So here you are. If you see over here on the end, I don't know if this thing will work again or not. Let's see what, Jesus help it. There we go. Uh, so right here, here are the seven bowls. We are right here. The trumpet has just sounded. Jesus has just come back to earth with the sounding of that seventh trumpet, Revelation eleven fifteen, And then the seven bowls. Jesus is here in Jerusalem during those bowl judgments in Revelation 16. And they're mad as a hornet at him and can't do anything about it. The Antichrist is there. And right towards the end, right towards the seventh bowl, right here is the battle of Armageddon. That's where the Antichrist and the false prophet, they are slain by Jesus. Jesus, at some point in that time, runs back up to heaven and says, hey, y'all, come with me. And we in glorified bodies come back with Jesus on some kind of spirit horses, and we whoop the snot out of the Antichrist. And then throw, <laughs> with Jesus. And then we throw, he's get, he gets thrown into a bottomless pit, Revelation chapter 20. Then there are 45 days that God uses to refurbish the earth so that we can enter into the millennial reign of Christ. Isn't that awesome? You know, when, when you study this stuff out, it's like, you know, God, here's what I think. I think, you know, God, you, you, I can trust you with my heart. I, I can trust you with my now. I can trust you with my unknown stuff. I can trust you with my future because you've got all of eternity mapped out in your great big book. Isn't that awesome? Eyes not seen, y'all. Ears not heard. It's not entered into the heart of man what God's prepared for us. So we'll come back next time. We'll talk about Revelation chapter 11. And we'll talk about the two witnesses and they'll talk about Jesus' return. Revelation chapter 12, 13. 14 really it looks back at those three and a half years where the Antichrist really gets mean when he desecrates the Jewish temple. And, and it talks about what the world will be like then. Uh, we'll be here for part of that, but when the day of the Lord comes, we'll be taken to heaven. And you really should be looking forward to that. Really, uh, you know, I, I've got a list of people I pray for. Do you? I mean, I, I've got people that I don't, I, don't, I don't want to be here. I mean, really, if, if you read this stuff, what it makes me feel like is, God, I, I don't want to be here during the wrath of God, during, these bold, during this terrible time when billions of people die. I don't want anybody I know to experience these things. Do you? If you care about people, of course you don't. So, now this spawns my prayer life. And I encourage you, get a list of people that you don't want to see go to hell and you don't want to see have to go through this. If you can't live for Jesus... It's very doubtful that you're going to die for him. Is that true? And so pray for your friends and your family that don't know the Lord.